BC's Premier, David Eby, says the proposed uh, house flipping tax uh, that would uh, basically add a 20% tax on property sold within a year of purchase is not a cure-all to the province's housing woes. Uh, He was speaking to reporters uh, the other day about the issue. Uh, Take a listen to his comments. It used to be the case that if you worked hard, if you followed the rules uh, and uh, and, uh, you put in your time, you'd be able to afford a good place to live. You'd be able to uh, build a life for yourself and your family. Well, uh, that uh, contract was broken with people by governments that neglected to make sure that we were building and delivering housing that the middle class could actually afford. Government has to be involved in that work. And when government abandoned that, that meant that the speculators were able to move in. Uh, To drive up prices, to turn housing into an investment instead of a place to live. Uh, that's Premier David Eby. I think not only just talking about the middle class, but I think it's a broader and deeper conversation about generational unfairness. The Premier said about, you know, if you worked hard, you know, if you did the right things, generally speaking, you're going to be able to get into the housing market and and, and lead a productive, happy life. Uh, but somewhere along the way, that, that generational deal was broken. Uh, generational unfairness in some cases uh, as well. I, and I, one of the reasons I wanted to, to do this segment was I want to talk about not only just the, the flipping tax, but we have the flipping tax, the speculation tax, the empty homes tax, the overseas buyers tax. Is it making a difference in addressing our housing challenges? Joining me now to talk a little bit about all of this is Paul Kershaw. He's a policy professor at UBC School of Population and Public Health and founder of Generation Squeeze. Paul, welcome. Thanks for having me. Now, you were at, uh, I believe, the budget lockup. Uh, Your take on this government's approach to the housing challenge, not just the, the flipping tax, but some of these other taxes that I've just mentioned. Yeah, and I'll take it one one step above, you know, just talk of taxes for the moment. I was struck that this provincial budget for the first time really acknowledged that generational tension that you, you that you featured in, in the introduction, that they're wanting to acknowledge that uh, a younger demographic is not having its hard work pay off like it used to, and, and housing's at the center of that. Housing has left our earnings behind, and as a result... You know, somebody like me, I've gained wealth in my home, like oh, a million and a half dollars in my home over the last couple of decades. But someone just as smart as me, just as hardworking as me, but happened to be younger than me, is now locked out of housing where I live and at least home ownership and increasingly out of renting for any affordable rate. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think that the, this provincial budget uh, articulates that problem better than any provincial budget I have been able to attend in the last 15 years. And now it's the question is like, where to from here to tackle the next big challenges? Mm-hmm. And do you think the cumulative, cumulative announcements when it comes to all these policies, which I've talked about, the speculation tax, the empty homes tax, the overseas buyers tax, the flipping tax, uh, BC builds, uh, which was just announced in regards to building on uh, public lands, add to that uh, some of the housing legislation that was introduced in the last fall uh, session, do you think... Uh, this will actually have the impact that everybody feels we that need, the, the, the will this have the yeah. impact that we we want to see? I, I would observe that we now have better housing policy uh, under Premier Eby than we had previously in the province. So good on that. I am excited about the progress we're making. I think that there's you know especially heading into a, the next election. I, I hear Premier Eby the way he's framing it is like you know speculators. And investors and bad actors have kind of been screwing up our housing system. 
And and I get why he frames it that way, because like, then we can be angry at some like other person over there. I think one of the challenges, and I said this on you know your radio program in the past, but I don't think I'm a speculator. I'm not an investor. I don't think I'm a bad actor, but I live in a home that has benefited from rising values. I've gained a lot of equity, and and I think that you know everyone's wanting the next thing, the flipping tax or whatever next tax or whatever next home we're going to build. And like now everything's going to be affordable, but our challenge is. We lost all that affordability over the last couple of decades. It made me better off, but it's made others following in our footsteps worse off. And that means how do we ask those of us who benefited to like lean and think about how are we part of the solution? You know, kind of like how are we going to kindly be part of the solution and not just on the sidelines saying, I'm sorry, there's all this collateral damage for you from what's benefited me. Yeah. And I think I don't hear that quite yet. Um, in in the provincial discourse, but I hear Premier be hinting at it more than I've heard other politicians. Uh, I, I remember uh, as an MLA, somebody brought up the same topic with me, and I said, if you can find a good way for me to say, hey, baby boomer, I, uh, under the guise of, of affordability, let me destroy 35% of your home equity for you and please yes. re-elect so me. That's so not, that's not going to happen. That's and not I don't even ha- think... I don't think our economy wants prices to crater to that degree. No. I think, though, let me use that as a segue to another really interesting feature of the budget. So if you look at the strategic plan in the budget, it has an honest, hard truth message for the aging baby boomers who we love in our lives. And and this is in regards to medical care. And, And it talks about how, like, continuing to provide high quality medical care in this province is the fastest growing part of the budget. And, and then it says it, if you won't mind, I'll quote it. says, you know, in the 1970s, there were seven working age adults for every retiree. Now there are only three. That made it easier in decades past for the province to cover the medical care costs of our aging loved ones. I'm like, wow, I haven't seen that kind of honesty in a provincial budget in B.C. or across the country before. And, I, you know, it might be because millennials now are actually the bigger generation. I think it's actually because just the scale of the challenge of an investing in the medical care for our aging population that previous governments didn't plan well for is now so large that there, there needs to be this more honest conversation with boomers. And so whether we're talking about housing unaffordability or the fiscal pressures that governments are facing, our aging family members are kind of front and center in this conversation. And, and I see this budget with honesty and humility kind of reaching out and saying, we need to lean in together to figure out how to make this work for our aging family members, but not at the expense of your kids and grandchildren, which has too much, too often been the trade-off in previous government budgets. So uh, let's continue with this conversation. So if, if the, the, the homeowner or the baby boomer has to pay a little bit more, where would that come from? We, we got all the speculation tax, we got the overseas buyer's tax, we got all these taxes. So is the next thing eliminate the homeowner's grant? Uh, perhaps if people want to buy into the market, our guests getting into the market, uh, reduce as much as you possibly can the, the property purchase tax, or eliminate that or reduce that in some way. Yeah. I mean, are these is this the next level of conversation we need to be having? And like I said, the homeowner's grant, for those who own $2 million, $3 million properties, whatever, you know, the average home in, in, in the lower mainland, let's say you've been able to get in, you've been lucky. It's good politics, the homeowner's grant. Bad policy, most people would argue, if you follow it closely. Is this where we need to be going, though, talking about these types of programs that have just been part of our culture? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think you could also consider adding some progressivity to the tax rates on property taxation. I think we need to acknowledge that when you're running a $7.9 billion deficit when we're not in a recession, 
you're running into a structural problem. It, this is not just an NDP issue, although uh, I am concerned about the next three years of deficits that will make the, the, the debt servicing charges grow to a degree that we're spending more on that than we're spending on childcare and housing combined. Yep. But this is a problem that the NDP have inherited from previous governments back in the day saying, you know what, we can punt the problem of the aging boomers down the road. Well, the road, the end of the road has come and the problem is here. And so we need to recognize we have a revenue resiliency problem. And I feel like for, you know, our deputy finance minister, like who has to sort of grapple not only with the political reality, but the fiscal reality of like, wow, we got a structural problem. And the politics of the day, citizens are often heading into elections saying, hey, promise me more stuff to fix the problems I'm concerned about. But this budget seems to suggest, hey, we don't think uh, our voters are ready yet to have a serious conversation about how to pay for what we want. Mm -hmm. And I think we really need affluent boomers. And I say affluent boomers in particular. If there are some baby boomers who aren't, you know, are, are, are struggling with rent, uh, just like others are, like other younger folks. But there's a group. I'm not quite there. I'm a Gen Xer. But there's people old, like me and older than me who are doing better. And we have to be part of the conversation that says, no matter which government wins the next election, they got a structural deficit problem. How are we going to help them overcome that in a way that protects the income security medical care I want as an older person, but also protects the legacy I'm leaving for my kids and grandchildren and recognizes that their dream of having a secure home is increasingly out of reach for what hard work can earn. So I just want to get to the brass tacks. So you still think we should be increasing property taxes for those of a certain income that uh, that obviously can afford their homes and have been there for, for decades. You also believe that we need to be looking at homeowners grants, eliminating them for a certain part of the population uh, who are comfortable and have paid off their homes. They really don't need a homeowners grant in your mind. Something yeah, like that. I, you know, I talk less often about the homeowners grant. I, I want to have like a conversation about rationalizing our revenue rates. I want to tax shift. I actually I wish people would talk more about I want to reduce taxes on renters and middle and lower earners. And then I want to compensate for that by you know talking about how do we raise more tax uh, from you know high value homes i think that's an efficient uh, tax shift for our economy i think there's a fair tax shift between young and old and actually affluent and less affluent i could be convinced of any of a range of tax policy changes i want us to have the conversation and i'll you know i'll land where you know a reasonable group of people converge and say we think this is the best trade-off maybe they don't like my particular proposal fine but we need that conversation and we need to enable our politicians. I don't care who you, which one you support, which party you support, but we need to make it possible for them to not only talk about new spending, but how to raise revenue to pay for it. We've lost that in British Columbia and across the country to some degree. And I suspect even talking taxes today will get me angry emails where, you know, we used to joke is death and taxes. It's the only two things that are inevitable in life. But now when I talk taxes, I'm likely to get people saying, I wish you would die. Just shut the hell up. <laughs> And I think we need to not have such vitriol so we can talk seriously about the public policy challenges facing us with these structural deficits. Well, Paul, there are tough questions to ask, and I appreciate you asking uh, because it is part of our broader conversation we, uh, that we do need to have. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Have a great day.